Hi, and welcome to this audio edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. On this program, we discuss polygamy and Mormon fundamentalism from a biblical Christian perspective. We talk about the history of polygamy, its modern-day fruit, share stories from people who have escaped polygamy, and talk about current events relating to polygamy. You can learn more about the video edition of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. And now, here's Doris. Welcome to our show tonight. We're glad that you've decided to uh, invite us into your homes and share an hour with us. We do hope that uh, information that we have for you will be relevant, whether you're from a polygamy group or a Mormon, or if you're a Christian or just somebody who's merely curious, we do hope that you do get some valuable information from our show tonight. We have one last announcement about the visit of Todd Friel to our area. Uh, Todd Friel hosts a radio program on AM820. Uh, that radio, AM820, um, broadcasts some wonderful Bible teaching and and uh, studies over the airwaves in the Salt Lake area uh, from Ogden, Utah. And tomorrow night, Todd Friel is a guest speaker at the UPFC banquet. And you can find out more information by going to upfc.org. And there may even be time to register yet for the banquet tomorrow night to hear Todd Friel speak. And then again, Saturday morning, the 29th, uh, from 9 until noon, he will be the host in the Joy of the Home Conference at Mill Creek Baptist Church. The address is 1515 East, 4500 South in Salt Lake City. And then, of course, Sunday morning on the 30th, he will be the guest preacher at Mill Creek Baptist Church in Holiday. Everyone is welcome to come. We live in troubling times, and, of course, God's Word holds out a lot of encouragement during these times. So we do encourage you to come to one or all of these events. Now we'd like to ask you a question. Have you ever heard the phrase, the impossible gospel? You know, tonight we're going to introduce uh, to you the full meaning and the consequences for those who attempt to get eternal life by living an impossible gospel. You may not know it's impossible until after the show tonight. First of all, the word gospel uh, from the Bible means good news. And there is no other biblical definition that can be applied to that word gospel. And we know that other religions have used the word gospel for some very bad news. In fact, that makes that word a contradiction in terms. The only authentic gospel is good news. And that is that we are saved by grace through faith not by works, and eternal life is a gift of God's grace to us. There is no other way for anyone to get into heaven, and the basis for this good news, for this gospel, is called Calvary, or the cross of Jesus Christ, who died for our sins. Jesus Christ, who is God Almighty, became a man. He lived a completely sinless life, and then He went to the cross of Calvary and paid our price for our sins. He died our death. He suffered our hell. But because He was sinless in His own person, He defeated hell and death and came out of the grave alive, so that we too can live forever with Him, not because of what we do, but because of what He has done, and that is good news. That's the gospel, and all that we are required to do is embrace it, believe it, and tell others about it. 
anything added to that message is bad news. And of course, anything that's taken away from it is also bad news. Tonight, our guests want to discuss that the, the things that have been added and deleted from the biblical gospel, and they call it the impossible gospel. We urge our polygamous viewers to please pay attention and watch and listen very carefully to what we talk about so that you can grasp fully and completely what God has done for you. And then you'll be able to understand how futile and impossible your works to earn God's grace actually are. How impossible it is to live polygamy to gain eternal life. For our critics, you must remember that polygamists believe in and they follow the same scriptures that the Mormons do, including the ones that we will be using tonight. Our guests tonight are Keith and Becky Walker from Evidence Ministries of San Antonio, Texas. Keith graduated from Emmaus Bible College in 1992. His wife, Becky, earned her one-year certificate in 1992 also from Emmaus Bible College. They founded Evidence Ministries in 1995 with the purpose of reaching out with biblical truths to non-Christian religious groups. Their purpose includes teaching Christians the differences in Christianity and false gospels and comparing them with biblical truths. And they warn the community of the eternal and spiritual dangers of an impossible gospel. I would like to introduce and welcome to our show tonight our guests, Keith and Becky Walker. Thank you for coming. Thanks for having us. You're all the way from San Antonio. Yes, ma'am. You came up today? Yes. 1,084 miles. Wow. (laughs) Would you tell our viewers um, contact information, how they can find out more about your ministry, if you have a web page and any contact information you have? Well, the easiest way is just our website, www.evidenceministries.org. Okay, and that gives the any information that they might want to ask you or find out about what you do and they why can you email do it. us there or we've got our phone number which is also listed on the site two ten three four zero true. Uh huh. Oh. So, yeah. Okay, that's good. And we have a YouTube channel that he has a couple of series on, so mm-hmm. um, people could find us on YouTube. We have mm-hmm. a, a channel under Evidence Ministries. Okay, so. fun mm-hmm. on YouTube. Okay, great. Mm-hmm. Well, tonight you want to share how impossible the gospel is of the, uh, the, the for- fundamentalist Mormon culture actually live, thinking that they're pleasing God by their polygamy and some of the other things they do. Mm-hmm. And actually it's impossible because they're striving to do unnecessary works that God has already done for them. Right. So they're trying to outdo God in a sense and, and not realizing it, of course. And so what you're going to be using is their own scriptures, the Book of Mormon, the Doctrine and Covenants, and as well as early Mormon polygamist um, comments, some of them that they have made. And the passage that you wanted to begin with is in the Book of Mormon, mm-hmm. and it's Moroni chapter 10, verse 32, and that scripture will go up on the screen. And this is uh, what it says. It says, Yea, come unto Christ and be perfected in him, and deny yourselves of all ungodliness. And if you shall deny yourselves of all ungodliness, and love God with all your might, mind, and strength, then is his grace sufficient for you, that by his grace you may be perfect in Christ. And if by the grace of God ye are perfect in Christ, ye can in no wise deny the power of God. Now, in these verses, there are some if and then statements mm-hmm. that, that you want to talk about. How important is it for them to understand the full implication of these ifs and thens? What are they? Well, the reason why it's really important to notice these is because um, they're 
completely spelled out in this verse. Um, if you deny yourself of all ungodliness mm -hmm. and love the Lord your God with all your might, mind, and strength, then is his grace sufficient. Mm -hmm. So there's definitely a conditional statement, just like with our kids. Mm -hmm. If you eat your broccoli, then you get your dessert. Mm -hmm. So it's not that you get your dessert while you're eating your broccoli. You only get it when you've done the if, then you get the then. It's the after, mm -hmm. the after there. So, so the requirements for grace in this passage, when does grace apply? Grace would only apply after you meet the requirements for it. To Christian ears, it doesn't make sense. There aren't requirements for grace. Mm -mm. But this verse spells out four main things. We've got to deny ourselves of all ungodliness, love God with all our might, all our mind, and all our strength. Mm -hmm. Then we get the grace. Then grace is sufficient, it says, doesn't it? Right. And that's only after, again, we meet those requirements. And a question that I like to ask folks is, have you really denied yourself of all, all. ungodliness? And mm -hmm. if you were to do that, then what would your life look like? Yeah. What yeah. would your life really look like if you denied yourself of all ungodliness? Well, it would be perfect, wouldn't we? Well, that's the answer that they usually come up with. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because that's pretty much what it says. It, it, we've mm -hmm. got to be perfect in Christ. And the only way to do that is to deny ourselves of all ungodliness, love God with all our might, mind, and strength. So, then, so the verse in Moroni is teaching that their eternity hangs on this little if. Yes, yes, ma'am. They have yes. to meet the, the, the requirement. If mm -hmm. they do it, then they get it. If they don't, then they don't. The, mm -hmm. this, then... The, if the passage, and it sounds like it is, insisting that we become perfect, that's impossible. Right. And so you get in this little rat race of, oh, I think I can do it. Have I done enough? You know, well, what I also, I also like to ask them a lot of times, well, what does all mean? Mm -hmm. You know, well, mm -hmm. I, I think I can do some of it. Well, that's, that's great. But if I'm going to believe that this verse is really true and really inspired by God, then did he mean all or did he mean most? Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. and so it's not, it's not an option. I, I know in the Bible, when you read the word all, it means all. Yeah, yeah. You look it up in the, in the Greek or <laughs> yeah. the Egyptian that's, or, that's you know. In the Book of Mormon, they don't have a concordance. So <laughs> right, right, we're right. thinking that it probably means all as well. Yes. Uh, your next scripture is in Second Nephi 25. Yes. This is, uh, whenever I'm teaching in, in churches, this verse is the one that usually makes jaws drop. If you're not familiar with the Book of Mormon, uh, verse 25, or chapter 25, verse 23, For we labor diligently to write to persuade our children and also our brethren to believe in Christ and to be reconciled to God. No problem with that part. Almost right. sounds like it could be right out of Romans. Mm -hmm. This is the part that gets people. For we know that it is by grace that we are saved, comma, after all we can do. And when right after I preach that part, uh, I can I can hear the gasps yeah. in the audience because yeah. what do you mean grace after yeah. all you can do? That doesn't make sense to to Christian ears when we read our Bibles. Grace is something that you cannot merit, and if I have to do all I can do, and there's that word all again, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I have to do all I can do to get grace then who really does that? Well, you don't. And then for, besides that in Romans, it tells us that it's either works or grace. It's not a combination, right. and they're combining it here. Mm -hmm. right. It's like oil mm -hmm. and water. They just, it won't mix. Right. And so this is a perfect example of adding to the Bible, mm -hmm. to, uh, which Jesus, of course, warned us against. So what are some of the things that would, it would look like, let's say, talk about maybe a polygamous family that are included in all you can do? 
Well, obviously polygamy. <laughs> mm -hmm. That would definitely be a requirement. Well, that they would have to, to live met. polygamy perfectly, wouldn't yes. they? And yes. that's one of the things they say that polygamy teaches you how to be um, kind and, and swallow your jealousies and your resentments and all that. But mm -hmm. even to have one time mm -hmm. that you're not doing the right thing in your polygamous situation, you blew it. Right. Mm -hmm. And there's there there isn't any there's there's nothing to cover that. Mm -hmm. Because it wouldn't be, if you failed, then you wouldn't have been doing all you can all you do. All do, right. Right. So. Right. So, and then, of course, maybe they get angry at their sister wife or their sister wife's children or, mm -hmm. or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it does go on a lot. Well, so, you've also got a problem with, with availability. I mean, there's only so many women to go around. And what do you do if you're a guy who can't engage in polygamy for one reason or another, for finances or you just don't have the wives. There aren't many there to be had. I mean, you well, know. Well, yeah, the, that, the math and, and polygamy aren't friends. No, no, not friends. That's, <laughs> that's very good. Not friends at all. So yeah. if you can't if you can't meet that requirement, then you're sunk. Then mm -hmm. they're sunk because you have to live polygamy according to them to reach the highest right. celestial glory. Right. So the word after in the Book of Mormon is very important <clears throat> considering the context. Because, like you said, the word after, mm -hmm. you can have dessert after you eat your broccoli. Mm -hmm. and, and so the, the, that word right there is very important in its context. Mm -hmm. Right. It, it means what it says. It doesn't mean before. It doesn't mean during. Those are all different prepositions yeah. <laughs> that have yeah. different connotations of what comes after the preposition, what it's referring to. So you're not going to be able to change that unless, of course, this isn't true. You know, so you've got it. You can't have your cake and eat it too. So, based on this verse and what we're discovering about our own failures as sinful mm -hmm. creatures, God's grace will never cook in. Not unless you do right. all you can do. And I don't know anyone who's ever done that. I mean, I've talked with lots of people who believe the Book of Mormon and lots of different Mormon flavors. I mean, you know, polygamists, fundamentalists, the Salt Lake Church. Lots of different people, and it's the same question. It's the same answer to the same question. Have you done all you can do? And on the surface of it, they may answer, well, sure, I'm trying. I'm, I'm mm -hmm. trying to do my best. But who really does all you can do? And, and the question you have to ask yourself is, could I have done better? Yeah. If you answer yes to that question, then you didn't do, then you didn't do all you, you could do. That's you right. Absolutely failed. Mm -hmm. Okay, and, and a little bit later we're going to get into that um, failure and, and uh, the, the, the prospect of being perfect and mm -hmm. the requirement of being perfect too. Mm -hmm. Now, the next verse you have is in the Book of Mormon is in Alma 11 about um, being saved in our sins, I believe. Yes. Alma 11 actually is my, this might sound funny, but it's my favorite chapter in the Book of Mormon. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot here in this chapter in verse 37, and I say unto you again, that he cannot save them in their sins, for I cannot deny his word. And he has said that no unclean thing can inherit the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, how can ye be saved, except ye inherit the kingdom of heaven? Therefore, ye cannot be saved in your sins. And the question I like to ask at this point is, if you can't be saved in your sins, then what condition do you need to be in before you're going to be saved? And a lot of times I get you know, a deer in the headlights kind of look, and I just say, well, what's the opposite of in? Out. Mm -hmm. You've got to be out of your sins yeah. before you can be saved. And a lot of times people will say, well, Keith, if I can do that, then why do I need Jesus? And I say, you know, that's a great question. And if my religion taught that, I'd be asking more questions. Because either Jesus did it all or he didn't. Mm 
-hmm. And if he didn't do it, then I've got to make up the rest. I've got to do what Jesus didn't do. Yeah, and that's what they—that's what most of them believe. That, right. he, mm -hmm. that he'll meet you. You do seventy percent, he does thirty, or ninety percent, he does ten, or whatever. Whatever all you can do is, mm -hmm. which isn't a hundred percent, and then he will do the rest. Right. Right. A lot of times. But that's not what these verses say. Right. No. It says he can't do it. Yeah. He cannot. Right. Save you in your sins. Absolutely. Not that he maybe doesn't want to, or he wouldn't prefer that, or whatever, but he cannot do it. So if you're still in your sins. He can't save you. So you have to be perfect first. Right. And if you're perfect first, then you don't need him, like you said, because then you've mm -hmm. earned salvation yourself by your own right. merit. Right. Right. And I also like to ask folks sometimes when this is what they believe, well, then who's really the Savior? Exactly. Who is saving you from your sins? Is it yourself mm -hmm. or is it him? And if, if you've got to do all of this, then don't call him the Savior. Yeah. You, that's your title. You need to wear that. You're yeah, the Savior. Exactly. Of course, that sounds... <gasps> that's you know, exactly right. That. If that sounds... you could save yourself, if you could do anything to help save yourself, you're your own Savior. Mm. That's right. Or, the, or your church. That's right. Right. Jesus is more... It, it, with this view in mind, Jesus is more of a swimming coach than he is yeah. a lifeguard. Yeah. Because you're in the pool and you're drowning and he's just telling you, you know, do better, try harder, you yeah. know, get as close to the edge as you can and I'll pull you out. The shark's coming. That's yeah. yeah, you better go fast. <laughs> I don't want that kind of a coach. If I'm drowning, I want a savior. I want yeah. somebody who's jumping yeah, in and, in and saving you. me. That's yeah. absolutely right. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's good. Um, very good points you're bringing out here. So um, some people say, well, we're only human. Well, we're going to sin. God understands that, but that's mm -hmm. not what this verse is saying at all. It, it, there's no or there's there's no allowance for that. Right. You you've got to do this. Later on, we're going to look at a verse yeah. later on where the Book of Mormon actually tells us that we've got to do yeah. all these things, and we can do these things. Mm -hmm. And if God mm -hmm. isn't going to give us a commandment we can't keep, well, He gave us His commandment. Yeah, exactly. Okay, First Nephi three seven is the next verse. I that's, think you were just quoting that's that. That's what I was just <laughs> quoting. That's, that's what He was doing. This is actually uh, a verse that a lot of folks have memorized if they if they believe the Book of Mormon. Um, and it came to pass that I Nephi said unto my father, I will go and do the things which the Lord hath commanded, for I know that the Lord giveth no commandments unto the children of men, save He shall prepare a way for them that they may accomplish the thing which He commandeth them. And, mm -hmm. and again, I will ask them, what does that mean? Because I don't want to start telling them this means this, because then they can always disagree with me. Mm -hmm. But if, if I ask them the question and they tell me what it means, what does this passage mean? Then that's their standard. That's what they're saying this means. And I happen to agree with them. Is God, going, according to this verse, does God give us a commandment we can't keep? And they always say, no, God is going to give us all the commandments that he gives us. He knows we can keep them. Otherwise, he wouldn't give these commandments to us. Well, you asked so the question, did he? basically he's saying to be perfect then, that Absolutely. you can't be perfect. How many of the commandments do we have to keep? They always answer. All of them. How often do we have to keep them? All the time. All the commandments, all the time, or mm -hmm. I'm not forgiven. I with talked, no failures. With no failures. Well, and, if you, and if you do fail, then you've got to go back and start all over again. But no, if you do fail, you've failed. Well, yeah, you can't that's erase true. that failure. <laughs> this is true. That's true. It's too she's, late. She's got a point there. Yes, she does. Yeah. She's good. <laughs> Now, does this apply only to certain people, or, or is, it, is it contextual here? Or what? Uh, children of men. That sounds... Uh, PR1. Children yeah. of men. That's, yeah, yeah, yeah yes, that's what it is. That would, be, that would be all of us. Commandments. No, no commandments. No commandments to the children of men. Mm. So that, that applies to everybody. To he doesn't everybody. say, these people I give a certain standard to, and these people I give a certain standard to. I'm going to give a commandment unto the children of men. That's everybody. 
and we are all held accountable to this. We either keep the commandment and prove this verse true, or we don't keep the commandment and prove ourselves false. Right. I can't say I can't do it and the Book of Mormon be true. It's impossible, because if God gave you the commandment, according to this, then uh -huh. he, believes, he believes you can accomplish it. And you know, in 1 John 1, 8, we're going to go to the Bible here, mm -hmm. it tells us that nobody ever can be sinless. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That if anybody says they're sinless, they're liars. They're liars. Which is a sin. Mm -hmm. Last time I checked. Liars is, yeah, so that would be the first sin if they said that anyway, right. wouldn't it? Absolutely. <laughs> or more on top of the others. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And sometimes I think it's important to look at these verses and not just what they say, but what they don't say. Uh huh. This does not say to prepare a way for them that they may try to accomplish or do... 80% to accomplish. And I'm a, I'm a type A driven kind of person. And when I say, when this thing says that you might accomplish it, that means, boy, that's got to be it. And, and that, that it doesn't say anything less than just do it. I, mm -hmm. I call this verse sometimes the Nike verse. Just do it. Just do it. Just do it. Get it done. Achieve that. Accomplish that. Check it off and be done with it. Well, now, does that include attitude and motive? It should. Because, of course, we know from the Sermon on the Mount that those sins of the heart are just as bad as the sins that we can yeah. all see. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Exactly. Now, we know that according to Doctrine and Covenants, which is our next verse, that he can't look at sin. He can't, mm. he can't abide sin in right. any way. So the next is DNC 131 through 33. For I, the Lord, cannot look upon sin with the least degree of allowance, Nevertheless, he that repents and does the commandments of the Lord shall be forgiven. In verse 33. Verse oh, 30. yes, ma'am. And he that repents not from him shall be taken, even the light which he hath received. For my spirit shall not always strive with man, saith the Lord of hosts. So this is where we're getting into the trying, the trying here. He, he that repents and does the commandments of the Lord shall be forgiven. But if somebody is doing the commandments of the Lord, they don't have anything to repent from. Absolutely. Bingo. That's, this is sort of a little out that a, lot, that a lot of folks have in their own minds is they think, well, if I, if I do mess up, then I can repent. Uh -huh. I can go back and I can start all over and, and keep the commandments. And, mm -hmm. and again, like Becky said, this isn't just trying to keep the commandments. It doesn't mm -hmm. say we've got to try. Right. We've got to do. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times at this point, someone will, will quote uh, Yoda out of The Empire Strikes Back. You know, there is no try. Yeah. Do. do. You either do or you fail. That's right. Uh, in fact, a lot of times I like to play volleyball, and, and I noticed something. Uh, when, whenever we were playing volleyball, if someone would hit a good shot, you know, spike the ball, score a point, everyone says good job. Yeah. But if you dive for a ball and you hit it and it goes out of bounds, you'll, you'll hear good try or nice try. But nobody ever says, nice try, after you score a point, because you accomplished <laughs> you it. You did it. So every time somebody says, nice try, that means you failed. That means you're a failure. You so failed at that. you either accomplish or you fail. Right. And the, the part that a lot of people don't catch here in verse 32, where it says, uh, he that repents and does the commandments mm -hmm. of the Lord shall be forgiven. It's not just he who repents. Mm -hmm. According to, to other sources, Keeping the commandments is one of the final steps of repentance. Mm -hmm. So unless you continually keep the commandments, you have not truly repented. 
That's what they say. Absolutely. That's what a lot of them say. Mm-hmm. And then in, in Jesus himself, now Jesus has a, a very high standard himself, which mm-hmm. is himself, by the way. His right. standard mm-hmm. is himself. And in Matthew chapter 5, verse 48, he said, Be ye perfect, be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven which is in heaven is perfect. And and again, here he didn't say try to be perfect. Right. Mm-hmm. He said, Be ye perfect, which is a way, it's a state of living, it's a state of right. existence that that you are perfect not trying it's not trying mm-hmm. about it mm-hmm. and then Brigham Young even knew that trying wasn't good enough and in the <laughs> Journal of Discourses he said there is not one requirement of the Lord that is non-essential every requirement that he has made of us is essential to our perfection and sanctification to prepare us to enjoy celestial glory so even he knew that trying wasn't good enough, mm-hmm. that we right. had to do it. Right. So can't the sinner merely repent and then continue on according to these, these guidelines that we're reading here? And Not if they're really going to stick to this definition of repentance. Because repentance doesn't allow you to go, the, the verse we just looked at in DNC uh, 1, section 1. Mm-hmm. There is no allowance for sin. So if you have truly repented, you are keeping the commandments. If you are not keeping the commandments, then you have not truly repented. And everyone that I've ever talked to who believes in the Book of Mormon has said things like, you have to repent to be forgiven. Mm -hmm. But then when I point that out to them, they want to redefine repentance now. Oh, well, well, it just means that I'm trying. And uh, we had some folks sitting in our living room one time. We were talking about these verses. And... uh, and I, I brought that out. She says, well, you know, we just really need to do the best we can. We just really need to try. God knows our heart. And I said, well, that's the problem. God knows <laughs> yeah, my heart. Absolutely. He, he knows mm-hmm. what I really want to do, regardless of what I look like on the outside and what mm-hmm. I do accomplish. So if I only need to try my best, then I really don't need to keep the commandments, do I? And, and she kind of looks and says, you know, I like it better when I say it. <laughs> Uh-huh. Well, yeah, yeah. either we're keeping that. the commandments, in mm-hmm. which case that's repentance, or we're not, and we haven't repented, and we need to start keeping the In fact, I've told people before, you know what, you need to stop repenting and just keep the commandments. If you're keeping the commandments, there's no need to repent. That's right. Absolutely right. Now, there's five steps of repentance, uh, at least in some corners, there's five steps right. to the repentance. What are they? Right. Well, we've got to acknowledge <clears throat> our sin. Can't, if you don't acknowledge the sin, then, then you're never going to go on to the, to the rest of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, confess it. You've got to forsake it. I don't have them all memorized the in order. Feeling, feeling godly sorrow. Right. Mm-hmm. Restitution. Right. Yes. And then the last one, keeping the commandments. Forsaking the sin. Right. right. You've got to forsake the sin, it. keep the commandments. Mm-hmm. So now, I think, you know, when I read those, <clears throat> I kind of shuddered. Mm. Because, first of all, um, they're not biblical. Right. There is absolutely nothing, and that's, these are five steps. That's a lot. I know. That's a lot compared to the Bible, but mm-hmm. there's no blood of Jesus in this. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses us from all sin. Right. Mm-hmm. There's nothing in here about Jesus in repentance, and yet everything in the Bible points to Jesus right. mm-hmm. as the one that takes care of our sins. Right. With right. this definition of repentance, all the focus is on me. Yeah. It's on what it's I accomplish. It's the focus on the wrong person. Absolutely. Right. I'm the guy who made the mess. What yeah. do we want to focus on me for? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. He did. <laughs> when I first became a Christian, somebody said that, said that you spent blank years getting the mess you're in. It takes Jesus to get you out of your mess. You're not going to get it out of yourself. And Absolutely. he did. <laughs> 
Same right. here. Yeah. Yes. The only thing I ever contributed toward my forgiveness was the need for it. Exactly. I gave Jesus the reason to die. The reason to die. My sin. Exactly. For mm -hmm. sure. Okay. Our next one is uh, Doctrine and Covenants 58. Yes. All right. 58 verses 42 and 43. Behold, he who has repented of his sins, the same is forgiven. And I, the Lord, remember them no more. Now he's going to define repentance. By this ye may know, if a man repenteth of his sins, behold, he will confess them and forsake them. So if we haven't confessed and forsaken our sin, then we haven't truly repented. And that's when, I, again, I ask the questions. Are, are you continuing to, do the to same sin? Yeah. Or are you just really creative and you keep coming up with new ones? Wow. <laughs> it's one, it, it's, it's one of those others. You're either making stuff up, or you continue to go back and do the same sins over and but over. But you must forsake them. It says so here. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Consent, confess, and forsake. So if you lie once and can you repent, you can never lie again. Now, That's if right. you re if you lie two or three times, can you be can you repent and and be forgiven of the third and fourth lie? Well, but then you haven't forsaken it, That's because right. the word forsake is very important. I mean, you think about it in context of marriage. When you get married, you promise to forsake all others. Mm -hmm. That means total. That means complete. That means I don't go, you know, visit my old boyfriend or anything. I'm 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 married to him. I must forsake all. And that's what that's what a polygamous man when he mm -hmm. gets married, he's supposed to forsake all others and have just the one wife. Mm -hmm. I'm mm -hmm. glad you brought that up because that's mm -hmm. such a good point. Right. And so taken others, you haven't forsaken all the others. You've, And that's what Jesus said, the same thing, to forsake all others mm -hmm. and come and follow him. Forsake right. everything and come and follow him. Right, and so that, we that have him ourselves. We've exactly. Got to, we've got to, to forsake to ourselves. ourselves. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If, if I think I can save myself, then I'm certainly not going to look for another Savior because I think I found him. Mm -hmm. Well, he's not in my mirror. That's, exactly. that's Jesus. <laughs> exactly. Boy, that's a good point. Mm. So um, can the sinner complete their repentance after they die? Well, a lot of people like to say that, but then <laughs> sometimes it's like they haven't read this really, you know? It's, it's just right in there and it's really clear, Alma 34. Alma 34. Um, it's not the most uplifting passage, I'll say. Um, for behold, this life is the time for men to prepare to meet God. Yea, behold, the day of this life is the day for men to perform their labors. And now, as I said unto you before, as ye have had so many witnesses, therefore, I beseech of you that ye do not procrastinate the day of your repentance until the end. For after this day of life, which is given us to prepare for eternity, behold, if we do not improve our time while in this life, then cometh the night of darkness, wherein there can be no labor performed. Ye cannot say, when ye are brought to that awful crisis, that I will repent, that I will return to my God. Nay, ye cannot say this, for that same spirit which, which doth possess your bodies at that time that ye go out of this life, that same spirit will have power to possess your body in that eternal world. For behold, if ye have procrastinated the day of your repentance even until death, behold, ye have become subjected to the spirit of the devil, and he doth seal you his. Therefore the spirit of the Lord hath withdrawn from you, and hath no place in you, and the devil hath all power over you, and this is the final state of the wicked. Ouch. 
that flies in the face of everything I ever learned when I was growing up. Right. Well, what's the second chance after death? Mm-hmm. Right. That that doesn't teach that at all. That no. teaches definitely teaches there's no second chance. No, the, the Book, Book of Mormon Mormons doesn't teach that at all. It's very clear <coughs> that this is it. I mean, what is it? Nine times or whatever that I said this life. I don't remember, but five. Five. Okay. Well. It's over and over, and the last couple verses, they'll just nail you between the eyes if you haven't gotten the point, uh-huh. you know. Uh-huh. Um, you're going to be subjected to the spirit of the devil. You're not going to be sealed to your family. You're going to be sealed to Satan. Um, who wants that? That's pretty frightening, isn't it? Yeah, and the devil hath all power over you, and this is, it doesn't say, again, look at what it doesn't say. Mm-hmm. And this is the temporary state of the wicked. Is that what yours no, said? No, that it doesn't say said? temporary. No, no, no it it's says not there. Right, it says the final, you know, in the game show. Final is this state. your final answer? Mm-hmm. Final means final. The final state. So, so there's nothing, there's no work that can be done for, for them after they die, according mm-hmm. to this verse, that will get them from a temporary spirit prison or someplace like that and into uh, a chance at, at some kind of heavenly glory. Well, mm-hmm. if, if they believe that there is more than they, that more to do after this life, then they've procrastinated their repentance. Right. And sometimes I drive that point home by, you know, telling them, look, you know, I've been trying to learn how to procrastinate for a long time and I just I just never get around to it. <laughs> so are are you are you going to keep the commandments now? Or are you going to try to keep them later? Yeah. And uh, in fact a lot of the times what they'll say is they'll say, Well, you know, it's really hard to keep the commandments now. It's impossible in this life to keep the commandments. But then they'll point to the afterlife and they'll say, well, I can, I can keep the commandments in the afterlife. You ask me, is it easier or is it harder to keep the commandments in the afterlife? Well, it's harder because you don't have a physical body. So it's harder to keep from sin that you need your physical body to do. So you've got to have a physical body. So I say, well, no, wait a minute. It's impossible in this life, but you're looking forward to doing it in the afterlife when it's harder? You're going to do something harder than impossible? How does that make sense? God doesn't. That's not the way. No, that's mm-hmm. not the way God works. He doesn't work in our. Mm-hmm. His ways are higher than that, for sure. Well, we have to. You have to stop right now for a break. Sure. Um, you're watching um, Keith and Becky Walker as we talk about the impossible gospel, and we're going to open up our telephone lines right now. Our number is eight zero one nine seven three eight eight two zero nine seven three TV twenty. And while we're waiting for your calls to come in, we have a message to share with you. You are watching Polygamy, What Love Is This? Broadcasting live from Salt Lake City, Utah. This program is the broadcast outreach of A Shield and Refuge Ministry. Shield and Refuge is a point of first contact for Mormon fundamentalists who question the doctrines of the religion or who are actively seeking for an opportunity to escape the polygamist lifestyle. Examining the claims of fundamentalist doctrine against the backdrop of biblical truth is central to our efforts. We invite you to contact us. Call toll-free at 877-425-9993 or email us at tv at You are welcome to join us in our monthly support group, Life After Polygamy, where you can meet others like yourself who are searching for answers about polygamy and Mormon fundamentalism. We meet monthly in the Salt Lake City area. For more details about time and place, call us toll-free at 877-425-9993 or email us at tv at 
We want you to know that we've made available to you some outstanding resources free of charge. You will find them at our website, www.whatloveisthis.tv. There you will find the DVD, Lifting the Veil of Polygamy, which documents the real-life stories told firsthand of those who were lifted out of the culture of polygamy through the power and love of Jesus Christ. Also, free of charge to you is the booklet, Is Polygamy Biblical? It explores plural marriage in the context of God's Word and answers questions like, Did God ever command polygamy? Is it part of God's plan? While you are at our website, make sure to take advantage of the archived episodes of this program, which can stream on demand directly to your computer. There are more than 100 shows to choose from. And if someone you know is unable to view this program via live broadcast, recommend that they visit this same website every Thursday at 8 p.m. Mountain Time to watch this show through live streaming video. Simply follow the links to the live streaming video page. If you are watching live tonight, we invite you to call us as we open our phone lines. The number is 801-973-TV20. That's 801-973-8820. Now, back to Polygamy, What Love Is This? with our host, Doris Hansen. Welcome back to our show. We are talking with uh, Keith and Becky Walker from San Antonio, Texas about the impossible gospel, hoping and praying that people who are living polygamy, uh, thinking that it pleases God and helps them get into celestial glory, will understand that according to your own scriptures, the Book of Mormon and the Doctrine and Covenants, uh, and your early polygamous leaders, it is impossible to please God because we fail. We absolutely cannot be perfect, and that is the requirement according to the verses that we have already read. Uh, our phone lines are open. Our number is 801-973-TV20, 801-973-8820. We'd love to hear from you if you have questions or comments for either of our guests or for myself. Uh, call in and uh, ask the questions. Uh, you can ask them on the air or leave a question with the operator and ask them off the air. Uh, now, doesn't Jesus teach, and actually all the Bible teach, that we are all already lost. It's, and, and, and Jesus said that. What did he mean when he said we're already lost? And it, now, it doesn't mean that we become lost right. or that uh, because we did something wrong or that we die without salvation. We're all already lost. Explain our lostness. Well, that's the whole reason Jesus came. Uh, the, in fact, the Pharisees criticized Jesus for hanging out with the sinners. And Jesus rightly pointed out, I didn't come to heal those who aren't sick. Yeah. So I'm going to be with those who recognize their need. And until you recognize your need, you're never going to go to Jesus alone. In fact, I had a, I had a friend of mine uh, from a Mormon background, and, and he asked me, he says, well, Keith, I have faith in Christ. What's the difference between my faith and your faith? And I, I says, well, the difference between my faith and your faith can be summarized like this. I said, would you say that Jesus alone is sufficient, or is, he, or is he one of many necessary things? And he said, Jesus alone is sufficient. So I pointed to the Manti Temple, and I said, then that building is unnecessary. And he says, oh, no, 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 that building is necessary. He says, every stone of that temple is Jesus to me. And I said, that's blasphemy. Oh, my goodness. That's blasphemy. He says, well, I've got to change my answer. You know, then, then Jesus is, is one of many necessary things. I said, if Jesus is one of many necessary things, then what you're really saying is Jesus is 
insufficient. Yeah. And I want to hear you say that. I want to hear you vocalize those words, Jesus is insufficient. And he couldn't say it. He believes yeah. it. Yeah. And that's what he thought. But he couldn't say it. So as long as, as you are putting Jesus in the place of it's Jesus plus me, you haven't recognized your lost condition. That's right. You need to come to Jesus, Jesus alone. Uh, Isaiah 64, 6 says our righteous deeds are as filthy rags. So if I'm clinging on to my righteous deeds and I'm trying to please God with those, then I need to repent of those righteous deeds hmm. because that's what I'm trusting. Mm-hmm. I'm not lost if I think that I can help Jesus save me. That's why, that's why I need a Savior. That's right. why He's called Savior. He's not called Coach. He's right. a Savior. And then Luke 19.10, He says I, that the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. That's right. We're all lost. Mm-hmm. And the, Jesus is the only one that can seek and save us. Absolutely. And if we're lost, there's nothing we can do to help ourselves. That's what lost means. Right. Mm-hmm. You don't know where you are. You don't know what you're doing. He came to save us from being lost and to show us the way and the truth and the life. Absolutely. And I love that story in Luke. I think it's 18, where the two men were in the temple to pray, Uh the Pharisee and the tax collector. Mm -hmm. And Jesus was looking at their faith, and the Pharisee said, I'm so glad I'm not like that scrub over there. You know, I tithe, I do this. He might as well said, I keep all the commandments. And then Jesus turns the focus to the tax collector, and who couldn't even lift his eyes to heaven, and just prayed, God have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus said, that dude, the tax collector, is the one who went home justified, not Mr. I'm so righteous. Mm -hmm. It's the one who knew his condition and knew his heart and 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 admitted and said, I don't deserve anything from you. And asked for God's mercy. Right. Absolutely. And it's just the opposite of Of the work's salvation. mm -hmm. So true. Mm -hmm. So true. Well, we've got a lot of calls here. Let's take a look at them. First of all, we have an off-the-air question. And the question is, I've asked, had this asked before, maybe you have too. How can Hitler get grace if he asked at the last minute of his life? How can't he? If, if grace is grace, and grace, well, the question that they're really asking is, does, is God's grace really that powerful uh-huh. that he could save Hitler? And the answer is yes. Yeah, if Hitler asked. Yes. If he truly repented. If he, if he, if he comes to God and, and recognizes his sin, and is truly brokenhearted about it, and is truly wanting forgiveness, God's going to say God no. Forgive. Jesus died for all That's our right. sins. There's that word all again. Mm-hmm. That's all right. our sins. All mm-hmm. our sins. Mm-hmm. And when you think about a question like that, I mean, it really is almost showing that somebody doesn't quite understand their own our sin. own depth of sin. Mm-hmm. I know that I didn't kill 5 million Jews or whatever, but I've done some pretty bad things too. And you know what? It doesn't matter because one sin, James 2.10. All sin is ugly into God's eyes. Right. All one sin. sin is enough to make you guilty of all, according to James 2.10. So mm-hmm. I'm just as guilty as Hitler. Would God save me? Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. I actually was talking with a woman one time and she was so upset. She asked mm-hmm. that question. Mm-hmm. She was so upset with my answer, which is basically the answer we've given tonight, that she said that she would not go into a heaven 
that I, where a God was at that would forgive someone like Hitler. She'd rather go to hell. She's welcome mm. to go there. Whoa. Well, that's, that's her choice, her isn't choice. it? That's, that's, oh. that's wow. They that's just sad. don't get the grace of God, no. the depth of his love. Right. Mm. The grace of God is so wonderful. Okay, we have Karen calling from Farmington. Hello, Karen. Yes. You're on the air, Karen. What's your question? Thank you. Um, my question is, first I wanted to tell Doris that she looks beautiful as usual yes. and that she's my hero. But my question is, do you, to the whole panel, do you think that the desire to be perfect and the drive to be perfect amongst the Mormon um, population in the state is what causes our suicide rate to be one of the highest in the nation, and yet we're one of the sparsest populated states? I'll hang up and you can answer. Thank you, Karen. Okay. Do you think that our striving to be perfect has to do with some of the, the suicide that goes on? Yes. And actually, if someone wants to go to our website, we've recently posted some things um, on that topic. And yes, definitely. I mean, it's, there's some secular-based articles about Utah about depression, but it's it's nothing new. They're older articles, mm -hmm. but but when you reach that high, and you've got this standard of perfection that you have got to meet in order for Jesus to save you, oh yeah, I mean, it, I I I'd be dead by now if mm -hmm. I had grown up believing this. I I'd, I would have ended it because mm. I'm so an hopeless. all I'm an all or nothing it's, kind it's of chick, so and you give me that set of goals. And I'm going to work my tail off to reach them. And if I can't, forget it. Mm -hmm. And so, one failure, one failure mm -hmm. is all it right. takes to, mm -hmm. to get you out of the grace of God, according to mm -hmm. this ver these verses we've been reading tonight. You know what? And there's one other verse, too, that we haven't looked at. DNC 82, is it 7, 82, I seven. believe. That is the ultimate shoots and ladders verse. It's basically that if you go back to the sin, that all of the former sins return. I remember that after I got baptized, I was told right. that I was cleansed of all my sin. Of course, the water right. doesn't cleanse us. That's what they believe, but that's what I was told. Mm -hmm. And any time, any first sin that you ever did after you right. got baptized, they would all come back. Right. And I remember that first sin. I, I would have been saying, it. dunk me and, and then just, shoot me now. I just, <laughs> yeah, it was, mm -hmm. I can't explain the, mm -hmm. the sensation I had with that first sin. How horrible. So I think How Karen, horrible. I think Karen had a good... Point. Okay, point. we have line three, Jenny, calling from Leighton. Hello, Jenny. Hi, how are you tonight? Good, thank you. You're on the air. Okay. Hey, um, you were reading from Alma, and, and it was stating that you can't wait to the end of your life to repent because that's not good enough. You're not getting any work done. Is that correct? Yep. Yes, ma'am. Yes. Hello? Hello? Yes. 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 Did, did you Can hear... You can you hear me? Yeah, can you not hear us? Yeah, I can hear you. The answer is yes. Oh, okay. Then why do they baptize for the dead? Huh, that's, that's a, a good question. That's a great question. <laughs> exactly. Do you have the answer? Do I? No. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if anyone does. Based on this, I mean, if the, if the Book of Mormon is supposed to be the most perfect book on the earth, that, there should be an answer to that question. Mm -hmm. Well, the Book of Mormon doesn't teach. Baptism, for, Baptism the for the dead. Right. So this passage would contradict that whole idea. Uh -huh. I, I, can't, I can't hear you. 
So I'll let you go. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, he said that the Book of Mormon doesn't teach baptism for the dead, and so uh, it contradicts, the baptism for the dead contradicts the Book of Mormon, and this passage especially. Good point. Okay, thank you. Thank you for calling. Thank you. Bye. -bye. Bye. Okay. I wonder if, I don't know, maybe I'll, I'll have to. Okay, line one, Mike. Whoops. Line two, David. Hello, David. Uh, yeah, um, yeah the, actually, they put my question on the answer earlier. I was the off-the-air question about the Hitler yes. question. Yes, yes. They didn't get all the question, and the question actually was, my grandmother was Jewish. Mm. Let's take just a Jewish person, for example, that lives by the Old Testament, and they can't quite grasp or get their mind around the fact that Jesus is Messiah, which I believe he was, but they can't quite get their mind around it. So they live like Abraham lived, and Jacob and Isaac and the people of the Old Testament. I mean, you know, just in modern terms. And then you have a person like Hitler who, at the very end of his life, let's just say if, which I, I don't think he did anyway, he shot himself. But, and then he asked for forgiveness. I'm like the person that said, that you said earlier, I don't want to be in a heaven where someone would say, yes, Hitler, you can come in because you asked at the end of your life for forgiveness. But this person over here who can't quite understand the concept of the Messiah, who is Jewish, and they live by what they believe. I've taught them the Old Testament, what I have told them in the Old Testament, and they can't quite grasp this Messiah being Jesus in their own mind, they go to hell. And I don't get that. If that's Christianity, I don't think a lot of people want to be in heaven. And well, I'm, I'm David, sorry to say that, but David, the whole idea... Christianity and a concept, if you're trying to tell me that somebody lives a wonderful life... David, don't, don't repeat yourself, okay? Let me, let me explain something to you, David. I understand what your question is, but... What you're doing is you're not, you're not bringing in the repentance of, of the other person. Anyone who repents, anybody, it doesn't matter whether they're Jew or Gentile or Hitler or the, or the Pharisee, if they repent, they are forgiven. If they truly repent from the heart, they are forgiven, and God's grace then takes over and will take them to heaven. It doesn't matter who they are because God is not a partial God. But okay, if, the, agree, if, the Jew, if the Jew that you're I, talking about, David, doesn't repent, if he does not repent and dies in his sin, Jesus said, you can't go to heaven. Yeah, but what about, are you trying to say that if a Jewish person, they, quite, they can't get the concept? But we're all sinners, David. That's the whole idea. All have sinned, David, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And we are justified freely by God's grace. If you don't repent, you're not justified. If you do repent, you will be justified. This is godly repentance, not Mormon repentance, but Bible repentance, okay? But the point is, anybody, whether it's a Jew who doesn't grasp the Messiah, or Hitler, or you or me, I'm glad God's grace covers, covers anybody and everybody, because most of us wouldn't make it. In fact, none of us would make it if it didn't. That's, that's, I agree with that part, at least. Okay, well, that's, I mean, that's, God I mean, doesn't grade sin, David. Actually, if they don't comprehend 
if you're living a life of the Old Testament, they don't comprehend, as my grandmother, they don't comprehend Jesus as being the Messiah. It's not that they don't want to, they just don't understand it. God will answer any question that anybody takes to him. there's a God that would send them to hell. David, uh, we have to read the Bible. Well, there's a thing called purgatory. Oh, no, there, there's no <laughs> such thing. It's not in the Bible. But just a minute, our guest would like to answer your question as well. Uh, okay. And actually, it's, it is in the Bible, Maccabees, 1 and 2. That's not the Bible, I'm sorry. That's the Apocrypha. Okay, let our guest answer the question. I, I was just going to give an illustration. If you've got your grandmother and Hitler, and they're both drowning and you throw life preservers out to both of them, and Hitler grabs a life preserver, and your grandmother doesn't, which one's going to be saved? The one who grabs the life preserver. God sends us Jesus. God gives us Jesus. That is our life preserver. If you do not accept the sacrifice for your sin, Jesus, if you, if you don't understand the makeup of the life preserver, but you still hang on to it, that person is the person who is saved. It doesn't matter who they were or what they had done, Prior to that, they have accepted the means of salvation for them. If you take that and you hold on to that, that is the person God saves, right. not the person who doesn't accept forgiveness. Okay. Uh, we've only got a couple more minutes, and I want to bring out something that, just to get you know very quick opinion on. The polygamists call polygamy a higher law, mm -hmm. and the early Mormons called it that much as well. So applying to our discussion the fact that it's viewed a higher law, uh, it must be lived perfectly, not part of the time, right. not all the time, or, or just some of the time. There's no room for failure. Um, now, if, if a polygamous relationship experience isn't done to perfection, then they have failed in living polygamy, and I don't know of any that are, of course. But it's interesting that this horrid practice of polygamy is called a higher law. When Jesus was asked in Matthew 22 by someone, came up to him and said, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Mm. And Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So if polygamy was a higher law, did Jesus lie? Or right. is loving God? We've only got about 30, 45 seconds to, to for your comments. Would you have anything you'd like to say about well, that? Well, Jesus never said anything about polygamy. And if it is a higher law, then he certainly would have brought it in to the context here. But uh, he, he talks about it, it's, a, it's a personal relationship. It's not a relationship that someone has to enter into with another person to get right with God. Right. You enter a relationship Good with point. Jesus. Good we point. are called the bride of Christ. We are not called anybody else's bride. Right. So, so a woman doesn't need to pair themselves to another man to get to, to God the Father. You pair yourself with Jesus. With Jesus. Mm -hmm. Jesus alone. And so making polygamy a higher law is kind of Again, taking the focus on off of the right person, it's idolatry, Jesus, and putting it on something else, which mm -hmm. is polygamy or your husband or mm -hmm. celestial marriage or whatever it is right. that, that mm -hmm. they're taking that. Well, I do appreciate your coming. Um, mm -hmm. We've covered a lot of ground, and I do appreciate all that sure. you've said and answering the phone calls. Thanks for having us. Um, as most mm -hmm. of our viewers know, I was born and raised and uh, in a polygamy group here in Utah. And when I turned 18, I ran away from their intense abuse and uh, a hopeless future that I had with them. And for the next 25 years, I refused to look at anything that had anything to do with religion because all I knew about it was 
what I'd been taught as a child, and it was so ugly and abusive that I wanted no part of a God who would command something like that. However, I did discover the truth after 25 years. I discovered that early Mormonism was a fraud. It was historically whitewashed by Mormon leaders and also by the polygamous leaders. And I discovered that those who said we couldn't trust the Bible are those who never did study the Bible for themselves. <laughs> and I mean study. But I'm, when I did study for myself, I discovered God's amazing grace. I found out that Jesus is the one who saves, not polygamy, and certainly not the Kingston polygamy group, and certainly not any church. I wanted to shout this truth from the rooftops. I wanted to tell everyone I knew. I wanted to tell my family and my friends and my loved ones and that you don't have to do this. Jesus saves. Polygamy has nothing to do with it. But they wouldn't listen. I told them, but they wouldn't listen. They didn't have ears to hear. God is true. His word, his promises, his method of grace for eternal life are all true. All he wants to do is be believed. That's all. Abraham believed God and God credited it to him as righteousness. If you'll just believe God, he will do the rest. Stop depending upon an impossible gospel. It will fail you. Hmm. Instead, depend upon the Lord Jesus Christ. He cannot fail you, and he can take care of your eternity and your eternal life without any help from you at all. Good night. This has been the audio podcast edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? This program is a production of A Shield and Refuge Ministry and Main Street Church of Brigham City. You can view current and past video episodes as well as download audio episodes of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. If you or someone you know is in need of assistance in leaving a polygamous situation, please contact us. We are here to help. All of our contact information can be found at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 877-425-9993. If you have any questions or comments about this or any of our other programs, we'd love to hear from you. Write us at email at whatloveisthis.tv. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us again.